as I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul from without within, but my Lord leads me on, through him I must win. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of a saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Before me billows rise from the mighty deep. Then my Lord directs my bark, he to safely keep. And he leads me gently on through this world below. He's a real friend to me, oh, I love him so. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of a saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of a saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Here's all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Here's all past, home at last, ever to Well, hey, it is great to be here tonight, and I want to again thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come and be a part of this service, and what an honor it is to stand behind this pulpit uh, where uh, your pastor stands every week and preaches, and I don't take lightly that responsibility nor that opportunity and privilege, and I appreciate it so much, and it's great to see you, and I do. I enjoy, I enjoy being here. I enjoy uh, cutting up with a lot of the people. Uh, the only one I don't enjoy cutting up with is Brother Keith, but because uh, he takes it seriously and he's threatened me two or three times, and uh, with a guy with a beard like that, it scares me. I, I'm nervous. I just got this little short thing. I don't have this long thing, it, you know. And the only thing that's worse is when those guys come in with a long beard like on a Harley Davidson, and uh, where'd your husband go? You don't know? Yeah, nobody knows. Anyway, uh, we're not sure he knows. And, you know, he's a big guy, too, for me to get upset with me. <laughs> I'd need two or three bodyguards. But anyway, it is great to be here tonight. It's good to, uh, just to be able to enjoy church and have fun. But it's also a joy to be here with friends. And Sheila and I do consider a pastor and his wife to be our friends. And I don't take friendships lightly. Uh, you know, and there's one thing I learned uh, this past year that really stuck with me this past summer was this. Um, friends are important, number one. Number two, you need to tell your friends what you think about them. You really do. You need to let them know. And, and sometimes we hold back on that. And, 
And because the word love is used so out of context that we're afraid to say, I love you. But brother, I love you and I appreciate you. Thank you for being my friend. Thank you for uh, praying for me and for loving me when I'm, I'm sure I've not been very lovely. That woman over there can tell you that. But a lot of times, but I appreciate your friendship so much. And I do appreciate your, your family. I appreciate, well, everybody but Josh. And, uh, <laughs> and Brad and Jay. No, I'm sorry. Caleb and, well, no. No, just, just Brad and Josh. That's the only two I have a problem with. But it is so good to be here, and, and I do appreciate those guys. I'm just teasing. I really love those guys. They mean a lot to me. They really mean a lot to me, and I love them, and I'm so uh, grateful for their friendship and their love for me. And I appreciate all you folks and all the kind words that's been said since we've been here. And it's always said when we're here, the kind words and thoughts and so forth and prayers and knowing that you were praying for us when we went through a few little setbacks. I appreciate it so much. I mean that. From the bottom of my heart, from the depths of my heart, I want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for every prayer, every thought that you had about us uh, during that time. I was so grateful. And even the thoughts uh, that you have now, uh, if they're good thoughts, I appreciate them so much. And uh, some people don't have good thoughts, but anyway, such is life. Well, God bless you. I'm sorry I can't be with you tomorrow night, but I know it's in capable hands. I'd love to hear you preach. Uh, but we have to get back. We have a, uh, our youngest granddaughter is graduating from kindergarten. And as a grandparent, I got to do the grandparent duty and be there. You say, where would you rather be? You, do you even need to ask that? <laughs> I love my grandkids, uh, but I don't like, grand, I don't like kindergarten graduations. Uh, I just soon to take a whooping. Anyway, I just soon to watch paint dry. But... Uh, but I am a granddaddy, and I do have to do what I, But don't tell her I said that. <laughs> she would not be happy with me. Uh, nor tell her parents. They would not be happy with me. Um, but uh, uh, other than that, I would be here with you. But we did feel like it was necessary for us to go and be there, all, with all kidding aside, and being a part of that. And uh, uh, I learned this, too. Uh, family and friends is what makes a difference. And... and, and uh, and I thank God for my family and for my children, my grandchildren. Before I went in to have surgery, if I can just be a little bit transparent with you, we, uh, we were supposed to, well, I met, I asked them all if I could meet with them on, supposed to go in on a Thursday, on a Wednesday morning for, uh, they prep you. And some of you have had open heart surgery, you know what I'm talking about. They prep you all day, embarrass you to death, but they prep you all day. And uh, get you ready for the next morning early. And so we had to go in, Sheila and I were supposed to go in on Wednesday morning, so I asked all the family, my daughter from North Carolina flew in. She and her children or drove in. She and her children, they drove in. And uh, all my family was there. We had some friends of ours. One friend flew in from California uh, that's real close to us. And uh, she flew in from California. And so Sheila's one of her sisters drove up uh, from Alabama. And we're all there together. And I'm, we're fixing to get ready. And I, I had some things I wanted to say to them. Uh, I, I know it was a high percentage that I was going to live, but somebody is in that percentage that don't make it. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm not being, I mean, it just, it happens. Some people are, some don't make it. And so um, I understood that. I wasn't afraid of that, but I understood it. And so some things I wanted to say to them, reference to their mom, in reference to them personally, and some gratitude I had, some things I want to make sure I said in case I never had an opportunity just to say it before I passed. And uh, we were meeting there together, and the phone rang, and uh, I answered my cell phone, and it was the uh, doctor's office, and they, uh, they said, uh, we gotta, uh, we got to do a change. Uh, we can't do your surgery tomorrow. 
I mean, you can't come, we can't do your surgery Thursday, so you don't need to come in tomorrow. Uh, the doctor is doing an all-night uh, emergency open-heart surgery, and it'll be all night long, and he will not be able to do any surgeries Wednesday. Therefore, all the Wednesday people that came in Tuesday for Wednesday are moved back to Thursday. And he was going to move you back to Friday, but he said, let's move him back to Monday. My first thought was, that's crazy. I can't believe I'm getting moved back for the surgery like this. And all, everybody's come in. But uh, so we just had supper together and spent time together. And then I said, okay, can you all, at least the ones that can, come back uh, Saturday night? And they did. Uh, but uh, the good part of that was they, they all came back. And I did say some things to them that I wanted them to know because you never know. Uh, and, and I remember a preacher saying, uh, or a gentleman saying that, uh, our lady saying that her and her husband always said goodbye to each other and gave a kiss and said, I love you, before either one of them departed to go to work or anything like that. And one morning they uh, didn't do it, and he, she ran outside, I think, and he got out of the car, and they, they did, kissed, and he got back and said, I love you, and left. And he got in the car, and that was the last time she ever talked to him. He passed away that day he was killed. And you never know what's going to happen. That was a young couple. That wasn't that was an old codger like me. No amens on that, all right? But it wasn't an old codger. It was young. And so we never know. And so I said, you know, I want to make sure my family understands where I stand and what I want them to know and so forth. And, and so Saturday night, then I sat down with them, and I said, look, here's some things I want to say to you. And uh, I had everybody's attention. And uh, I said some things to them and told them how I felt about some things and told them, what I was proud of them in some areas and that I thanked them for making me a grandpa and one of the most happy things in the world is to be a granddaddy and I thanked them for making me a granddaddy and uh, what that meant to me told each one of them personally I loved them and if I didn't make it here's what I want you to do for your mom uh, and uh, especially you, you boys these three boys I want you to take care of your mom and uh, gave them some instructions and stuff and, uh, and, and then here was the neat part back in that, those days they were not uh, letting anybody go in. Finally, they opened up in May, and when I had a, a heart cath done to determine if I needed surgery, they let Sheila go in with me, and she went in with me, and, and so forth. But that was all they was going to let go in is her. And, and so I prayed, and I even had Dr. Tom Williams and I pray together, Brother Frost and I prayed together, our pastor, and we said, Dear God, I just want my family to be able to see me before I do surgery and after. I know that sounds crazy. It's not necessary but it sure would be nice. And so I prayed much about it. We all prayed together. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a need. I can't say it was a need, but it was a desire. And uh, we get to the hospital on, Monday, on Sunday uh, for the Monday surgery, and they do what they're going through it late in the afternoon. On Sunday afternoon, uh, he gets back up, the nurse does, male nurse, and he says, I need to finish stuff. And he gets back on the computer, and he's doing stuff. And he said, now, i got to ask you, do you want the chaplain to come in? Sheila said, uh, can my chaplain come in? He said, who's your chaplain? She said, my pastor. And he said, actually, he can. Tomorrow morning, they'll open it up so that ever, more people, your family can come in. Only one at a time, but your family can come in. Is God good or what? He said, it didn't mean much to me. It meant a lot to me. And our God even cares about the small things. I mean, the little things that don't, even seemingly have that much significance to them. We have a great God. Amen. We sang in a minute and go, what a mighty God we serve. Now this, what I just told you had nothing to do with the service other than this. We got a great God. 
And because of that, we're to serve him. We're to live for him. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, if you'd turn there and stand with me if you are physically able, I'm going to read just a few verses, but I'm going to talk about the whole chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have a Thompson Chain Reference Bible, that's page number 1225. If you have another Bible, I don't have a clue where it's at. Brad, it is in the New Testament. thought I'd tell you that. All right. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy. Notice the next three words. What are they? Say it with me. We faint not. Say it with me again. We faint not. Now, would you skip over to verse number... Um, Let's go to verse number uh, 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inner man is renewed day by day. Would you read with me verse 16? Begin. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perisheth, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Notice that phrase, we faint not. Twice in this passage, he uses the term, we faint not. Over in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says, you don't need to turn there. The Bible says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We faint not. Let me tell you what has happened in the last year or so. We've gone through a pandemic. Brother Moon, we knew that. We were part of it. I get it. But something else has happened. We've had a lot of people who I was listening to. Uh, Pastor Frost mentioned this in the pulpit about a week ago. A week ago yesterday, uh, Sunday. He said, I've called a lot of my friends that are in the ministry. And he said three, about the, about, and he asked several questions. There's three things that come up with all of them. Every one of them. This was a, and I've asked several pastors since, and all the pastors I have since, and I've asked about five pastors since, four or five pastors since, said the same thing. Number one, during the pandemic, our offerings did well. We didn't go down. We thought we would bottom out, but somehow God's people gave. God's people gave online. Now, the ones that were able to come in gave, but our offerings have stayed up, and we've not gone in the hole, which is wonderful. Amen? I said, which is wonderful. Amen? Amen. It is wonderful. If you're one of the guys on the staff, it's real wonderful, right? I mean, it's real wonderful. Number two, we've had new people that's visited during the pan pandemic. People either watched us online and liked what they saw or was interested or their, 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 their interest is uh, perked a little bit or whatever. And we've had actually people come and join the church or be a part of our church and visit that's come back several times during the pandemic. We've had visitors. Every one of them said that. Number three, here's the one you don't want to hear. We've had a lot of people who used to serve who are very, very slow at getting back involved. Yeah. They're very happy with coming to church but not getting involved. They're very happy even some staying home and watching online. And that's okay. But we're really struggling with people working in nurseries, people working on bus routes. Now, y'all haven't started yours back yet. People serving, teaching classes. We've had a problem with people getting back involved because they became content 
with exactly where, they were, where they're at while they were in the pandemic mode. And they've not come back and really put themselves back in the ministry where they was at. But I think there's more to it than that. I think a lot of it is because some people, under the pressure and under all the problems and everything else, have fainted. They began to faint just a little bit. And it's just like, I just can't do this no more. And I want to challenge you tonight as I'm going to pray in just a moment and get into the message. I want to challenge you tonight to be careful about your involvement in your service. We still need you to serve. The responsibility of the pastor is to feed the people. The responsibility of the pastor is to preach to the people and to help them so they in turn can what? Do the work of the ministry. And we need everybody involved in the work of the ministry. We can't do it by ourselves. Staff can't do it by themselves. Deacons can't do it by themselves. We need every person, every person to get involved in some way serving in the ministry that God has given you and in the church where God has planted you, where God wants you to grow and to, and, and to serve. And we need you involved. Let's pray. Father, I pray you'd bless now tonight in a special way. Holy Spirit of God, fall fresh on us. Would you please, Father, go up and down these aisles and pews and, well, and, and, and rows. And Father, touch our hearts. Speak to my heart, Father. Show me where I need to improve. And help us tonight when we leave, not to be the way we were when we came, but more like you and more devoted and more excited about serving you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Did you ever get to the point where you felt like you was going to faint? Man, I've had a few places. I'll never forget one of the first times I felt like I was going to faint. My son, uh, my oldest son was just a little guy, and we were at this place and somebody's house, and they were, they were going to put some wood, and they were going to burn wood, and the guy took the planks, little small planks, and he was breaking them on his leg. And my son's standing beside me watching him, and he goes and he hits his leg like that, and the, it flew out of his hand and hit him right in the head. Shoot, just laid it open. I, he went, oh, and he turned around, and I grabbed him. I had on a big old green coat. And I held him, and he's crying. I'm trying to comfort him. And I pull him back and say, are you all right? And there's blood running down my coat. And I said, we've got to go to the emergency room. We go to the emergency room, and we get in there, and they, they, they get to him, and they're, they're trying to get it, and the doctor comes in, and they start, they start cleaning out that wound. And it slid it open, big old slit. They start cleaning it out, and, and, and I'm watching that thing, and I'm like, uh, whoa, Nelly. And I thought, man, it's hot in here. And I'm like, man, I'm, I, it, it's hot in here. And then the doctor looked over, and he said, sir, are you okay? And I said, uh, I, I don't know. And he said, there's a room right out there. If you go sit on there's a chair, you probably need to go sit on that couch right in that room. And I said, oh, oh okay. And I went out there and sat in a room, and I laid down. And I'm, ah, ah, and I'm trying to get it back together. I almost fell on the floor right there in the room. And I went back in after a while, and he said, he's, now he's in the midst of sewing him up, you know. And I'm watching, and I probably shouldn't have been watching, and especially when it's your child, it's when, you, when it's your first one. Now, some of you have got about five or six kids. You go in there and say, ah, just stitch him up, bro. Here, I'll help you. <laughs> yeah, it don't matter. But that first one's different, isn't it? Isn't it? Different. You know, you're like, oh, I hope, oh, no, don't. <laughs> one time, our youngest son fell and cut his chin, and 
the guy that went in <laughs> went to this, this place, and the guy went in. It was one of those quick care places, and went in, and the doctor in there, he had what was it? He had Sheila. It's like a, what Parkinson, and he's shaking. He's fixing to sew him up. I'm like. Do you need me to help you? And he was crying so bad they put him in a straight jacket, and that was bad enough. I'm seeing him in there. He's just screaming in a straight jacket, you know. And uh, they needed one for me because I was about to start screaming. And um, not because of that, because I was looking at that doctor, and he's shaking with that. Yeah, yeah. And the nurse had to help hold his hands to do it. I thought, why don't you get out of the way and let the nurse do it? And I'm not lying. Am I lying, Sheila? I am lying. You said, oh, oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm telling you the truth. God knows I'm telling you the truth. I mean, that guy's all over the place, you know, and he. And he couldn't help it. I'm not the, I could get Parkinson's. I understand that. You may have it. You can't help that. But I'm not a doctor who's trying to sew somebody up either, you know. I felt like he went in here and came out way up here. But he did his job and it worked out well. So, hey, God blessed anyway. Man, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at my son. I'm going, whoa, Nelly. I think I'm going to pass out. And then with that son, that the Parkinson's the guy that had Parkinson's, when Sheila was pregnant with him, she had to go in the hospital a week, uh, spend three weeks in the hospital. She was, became eclamptic, and she had to spend there, and we thought we might lose her and the baby, and so it, it, was, an, it was an ordeal. And, and, and before he was born, they said, we've got to decide. We want to we induce her in labor. We want to decide. And so they decided to take some fluid, and, uh, and so they, uh, I was there, and they come in, and they prep her for it, and I'm sitting there, and I'm watching, and and uh, they take this needle. It looks like it's about that long. I, it wasn't that long, but it looked that long. And a little bitty thin thing. And they started going in, and they got, her, they got, her, they got it up where they can see it, you know, on the, on the screen. And they're watching. They're going in. I'm watching. And I'm watching them go in. And all at once, my hand starts getting limp. I had Sheila by the hand getting limp. Sheila goes, Rick, are you okay? And I said, uh, 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 no. No. I'm, I'm and I had to turn away and just try to figure out how to get my head back together. I almost fell right out of the chair. I fainted right there. And I'm not using blood like that. doesn't use a bother me unless it's my own. And it really bothers me. But, uh, you know, uh, I've been in places where I felt like I was just going to faint. I wasn't going to make it. And, you know, Paul recognized that, spiritually speaking, the people had a problem and that there was a possibility of fainting. Fainting in the work of God. That's why I said, therefore, seeing we have this ministry. I am ministering. As we have received mercy, what? We. And he wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about all of them. He said, we faint not. And then he says in verse 16, he says, for which cause we faint not. He didn't say, I faint not. He said, we faint not. And then, of course, Paul also wrote the book of Galatians when he said, For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So he knew there was a possibility of fainting in the work that God had called him to do. I look at this passage and I say, Well, what in the world would make someone faint? Look with me if you would for a minute. Verse 2. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man conscious in the sight of God. You know what he said? I'm going to tell you the first thing that will cause you to faint. That's sin. You get into sin, you'll faint in God's work. You'll get woozy and say, you know, I just don't think I can do this anymore. It's time for me to move on. You know who our best bus captain is at Shawnee Baptist Church? Reuben Gibson. He's 75 years old. 
Let me say it again. He's 75 years old. He's the best bus captain we have. He's had cancer. He's lost his wife. But you know what he's out there on Saturday? Do you know for sure if you die today, you go to heaven? 75. He's still beating the bushes. You know what he hasn't done? He hasn't fainted yet. I'm not saying if you're 75, you have to be on a bus ride. I'm not even right that. Some of you don't need to be on a bus ride at 75. Reuben don't drive anymore at 75. He shouldn't have been driving at 55. <laughs> I know I was over it back then, and I had to take care of all the insurance stuff. He did not need to be driving at 55. All right, but anyway, I love you, Brother Reuben, if you happen to be watching. Uh, but anyway, I mean, I'm telling you, he just hasn't fainted. Sin will cause you to faint. You don't feel like you've, and, and some of you faint because you say, I just don't feel like I can do it anymore because I'm too sinful. Sir, if they're waiting on the, the perfect people to do the job, it'll never get done. You know why? Because they ain't no perfect people. Tell you the second reason people faint. Look at verse number uh, 8. We are troubled on every side. Yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in distress, despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. That word forsaken means not left behind. Cast down, but not destroyed. Tell you what makes people faint when they have to suffer. It's tough when you have to suffer. It's tough physically to move on when you're suffering and not faint. It's tough mentally sometimes. When you're suffering. It's just tough to go on. I've been in a situation where I was accused falsely. I know what it's like. And I was the point, I said, whoa, wait a minute. If this is what's going to happen, I don't want to keep doing this. You know what I was about to do, Pastor? Faint. I didn't do anything wrong, and I'm getting accused. If this is the way the ministry is, I don't need to be in the ministry. I've been there. The mental suffering. You're suffering physically. It's easy to faint. When sorrow and sadness come, I, like you, have had my disappointments. In recent years, I've had one or two disappointments that really just kind of took the legs right out of my chair. Kind of whoof. And I had to let duty take over because I didn't want it to do anything. I wanted it to be, I'm done, I'm finished, it's over with. I'm finished. No more. But I knew I couldn't do that. And I had to let character, what little bit I got, and duty take over. So there's a lot of reasons to faint. So we need to understand the reality of fainting in our ministry that God's given us. He said, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. What causes us to faint 
in the ministry. Look what, let me give you a few thoughts. Look at chapter, uh, look, look at verse number uh, three. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this, uh, of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. What a great verse that is. Let me tell you why. We lose sight of the victory that's in the precious gospel. We do. Sometimes we lose sight of how powerful and how blessed and how precious the gospel is. We do. We lose sight of it. You know, we, we, get a little, we, we get a little faint and we lose sight of how valuable the gospel is. He said, I've given you the ministry. One of the things in that ministry is sharing the gospel, the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And he said, that's the good news. And he said, if you're not, and, and we lose sight of that sometimes. We lose sight of how valuable it is and how important it is and how that's the most important thing that Jesus said was to go ye therefore and teach all nations. Last thing he said was get people saved. Go ye out here. I noticed out here on the, uh, uh, on the wall, uh, Samaria and Judea. Amen. Anyway, I needed help. Somebody help me. Help me, Jesus. All right, anyway. <laughs> but we lose sight, if I can get it back now, of the precious gospel. You know, the gospel is powerful and it's good. And we lose sight of it sometimes. We'll say, somebody will say something, boy, that's the gospel. No, that's not the gospel. I'm from south. Now, down south, they'd use that term. Oh, yeah, brother, that's the gospel. Had nothing to do with the gospel. It's just you said the truth. When you say it's the truth, well, the gospel is true, but you can't compare the two. The gospel is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the word gospel means good news. What's the good news? Death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. According to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. It's that gospel. Sometimes we lose sight of that precious gospel. Sometimes we lose sight of the victory in that gospel. Sometimes we lose sight, verse 7, of the victory in God's power. I'm telling you, but we have the treasure in this first and vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I'm telling you, it's not of us, it's of God. And I'm telling you, sometimes we lose fact that God's power is available, that God is available with his power to help us. And we're in the ministry trying to serve, and we kind of get faint and say, I don't think I can make it anymore. And God says, hold on, buddy, I'm with you. I want to help you. I've given you the power. I've got the power. Anyway, all right. Man, the power of God's available. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. And his power is waiting to be unleashed. Say, I I just don't have any power. Don't blame me. That's your fault. And don't blame God. It's your fault. Maybe it's a sin that you haven't confessed yet that's causing you not to have his power. God wants everybody in this room to have the power of God on their life. We'll say it again. God wants everybody in this room to have the power of God in his life. And we lose sight of the victory in God's power. But we have this treasure in earthen earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We don't lose sight of the fact, the victory in the precious gospel and the victory in God's power. We lose sight of the victory over the problems. It's a problem. We get hung up on the problem, not the victory. May I read to you? We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. 
This is Paul talking. The guy who's been, who was stoned. And not the stoning some of you are thinking about either. Yeah, man. <laughs> Woo! It is wonderful. That's the different stoning, all right? I'm not talking about that stoning. I'm talking about the rocks. Imagine that. Paul, the guy who may well have died in the midst of all of it. Some people believe he did. And he says, we're troubled on every side, yet not perplexed, uh, not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing in the body the dying of the Lord uh, uh, Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And the truth is, Jesus, Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bear in my body the brand of the Lord Jesus Christ because of my stand. We lose sight of the victory over the problems. We see the suffering, we never see the victory. We meditate on the suffering, not on the victory. We lose sight of the victory in God's purpose. Look at verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your servants. What's the last three words? Say it with me. For Jesus' sake. Say it. For Jesus' sake. Say it. For Jesus' sake. Now, if you would, please scoot down, uh, slip down, rather, uh, to verse number, uh, uh, I think it's 15. For all you things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Look at verse number 11. For we which are always delivered, uh, we which live are always delivered unto death, for Jesus' sake. He uses two things, that the victory and his purpose. It's for our sake and it's for his sake. Why am I, uh, why do I get, why do I want to faint when I know good and well that what I'm doing is for his sake? And for my sake. Sometimes we lose sight of that. The victory we have in the purpose. It's for his sake and our sake. Now, we know we can faint if we're not careful. But how do we get to the remedy of it? What can keep us from fainting? Number one, renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. Renounce the walking in craftiness. Renounce the handling of God's word deceitfully. You know what God says? Renounce the sin. Here's our problem. We never renounce the sin. We keep hanging on to it. I talked about this Sunday, how we cover our sin. We don't acknowledge sin as really being sin. For example, most people, I'm saying this, I believe with, all, uh, with the numbers being correct, most people have an issue with pride. You ever watch somebody says, well, I just, I, I, it's hard, so hard on me. And you think, they're so humble. No, they're not. They're proud. How could it be so hard on me and not on you? I'm the one that always gets a problem. Look, sir, ma'am, everybody has problems. You're just one of them. You've you got problems, I do too. And you may even be a problem. I don't know. I am sometimes. I'm more of a problem than I have problems sometimes. You know what we do? Pride tells us how bad we have it. Yes, sir. Yeah. Come on. Isn't that good? Hey, well, you know, 
I'm going to be honest. If you want to understand how bad I've got it. I know how bad you've got it. I, just, I agree with you. You do have it bad. So does a lot of other people. I was talking to one of our gentlemen called me this morning. It's just a few minutes after 7. He's in my Sunday school class. He said, Brother Moon, I couldn't get a hold of Pastor. I need to talk to you. Have you got a few minutes? Or he texted me, and I said, yes. And I called him. Just a, just a few minutes. I talked to him for about 50 minutes on the phone this morning. Trying to help him. He said, you wouldn't believe. He said, I've got back in town the last two nights. My dreams have been, I've had nightmares, and they're just, they're horrible. They're horrendous nightmares. It's just, I, I, can't, I can't even explain it so bad. I can't sleep. Horrible nightmares when I go to sleep. I've got to have victory. I can't go on like this. I cannot continue to go on. Not two more nights like I've had the last two nights. What do I do? I don't have nightmares like that, Pastor. I don't have them. I honestly think that there's, because I know his background, that there's some demonic activity. And I'm not going to go into it. I'm not a big you know, guy getting involved in that. But I do believe in demonic oppression. And I believe he's being oppressed because of things he's done and been doing. I don't, th I don't think he's renounced that yet. I know he hasn't. And what he's done, he's let the devil walk in the door. You know, the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. If the Bible says, don't give place to the devil, that means what? You can give place to the devil. I can deduct that. If he says, don't, that means I can and I think a lot of times we give place to the devil. And then what we do is after we give place to the devil, he doesn't move out until we move him out. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Okay, what, why did he tell us to resist him? Because he's going to give us a hard time. I told him, I said, you know, when I had surgery and I went home and couldn't sleep at night, I said, the devil began to, Give me a hard time. And he did. I, I kid you not. The devil gave me a hard time. He's, and, and I began to think about death. Nearly every night, I'd think about death. I think about, I thought about when my dad died. He was 62. And I said, you know, now hardly anybody ever mentions him being dead. Unless I say something. It's never brought up. He's just gone and forgotten. I th I, and then I began to think about all the funerals I do. By the way, I'm doing one Friday. But all the funerals, not my own, I hope, but... I'm doing one. Of course, I wouldn't do my own anyway. But anyway, he, he uh, I thought about those funerals, and I thought, there they are. They're gone. They're done. It's permanent. I know that. But it's, it's permanent. And Ricky, you're getting the age where it's going to be you, and it could be any day, and it could be you. What about you? How long will your kids, even grandkids, remember you? Man, this is all this stuff, my mind's working like, I mean, overtime, and it's like all over the place. I'm trying to get it under control. And then I said, Father, this is the devil giving me a hard time. Please, oh, Father, please, I resist you, Satan, <clears throat> by the blood of Jesus Christ. I command you to leave me alone, Father. I need you right now. You said what, uh, that I can come to the throne of grace and find mercy in the time of need. And right now I have a time of need. I need help. I didn't say it out loud like that. 
But in my heart, I was saying it out loud like that. One night, I was laying there, and again, Satan attacks. And I said, no way. Look at, here you are. Look at you. You keep having setbacks. And then I said, Lord, you said that David encouraged himself in you. Right now, I just want to encourage myself in you. However that works, I want it to work. I want to encourage myself in you, Father. Forgive me for even having these thoughts and help me tonight. Satan was wanting me to faint in the ministry, in the work. And this came into my mind. Look how good God's been to you. And I thought, you know what? Here's an old reprobate named Ricky Moon who deserves nothing. But you give me so many privileges. And I began to think about, while I was with the tour group, how many places and, and in just preaching revivals and other stuff, how many states I've had the privilege to preach in. Now, I'm not an evangelist. You say, yeah, we know that. We can tell. Well, you're right, I'm not. Okay, I'm not an evangelist. I don't travel uh, around the country and preach. I do get the privilege of doing it, and, and unbelievable. This is unbelievable. Pastor even gives me the opportunity to be gone as much as one, one Sunday a month. And I'm the associate pastor. Do you let your... I won't even ask. All right, I know the answer already. And you know what? Nobody else on our staff gets to do that. Either. Nobody else. They get so many Sundays gone. I can be gone once a month. That's not counting vacation. Now, I don't take advantage of it. Ask Sheila. I do on vacation. I try not to miss Sunday on vacation if I can help it. Look at all these advantages I get that nobody else gets. And I started naming the states, and I went from Kentucky and Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Missouri. And I started going down. I said, in Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina. I'm trying to think of all the states up through there. All right. and, and West Virginia, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Maryland. I started naming all these states. And I'm like, man, I can't believe I got to preach in all those places. God, you have truly been good to me. And I just praised him for a while. And then I got thinking, you know, I've got to preach a lot in a lot of those places. For example, I know one of those places I've got to preach a lot because we was here a lot on, on tour in Ohio was in Ohio. And I started naming the churches or the Christian schools that I got to preach in, and I, I came up with 30 of them in my mind without writing anything down. 30 in this state alone, right here in this state, 30, around 30 or 30 or so. And I'm not even sure I got them all because I didn't write them down. And then I got to think about Indiana and all the places I got to preach in Indiana. And Kentucky and all the places I got to preach there. And then I was so excited. And now, the night, the, I mean, the clock's going around. It's already morning, and I'm still thinking about all these and praising God about how good he is. I'm saying, listen, folks, if we're not careful, the devil will attack us, and we'll forget how good God's been to us, and we don't renounce that sin, we're in trouble. But we also ought to remember some things. I mean, remember. Number one, look at this. Remember the mercy of God. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we have received mercy. You realize you've received mercy? You know what mercy is? You getting what you, you not getting what you deserve. 
You go to the courthouse and you say, God, so the, if you're supposed to be judged for something, you say, Judge, give me, I plead, mercy. I want mercy. And God says, don't forget, I gave you mercy. Stand for us, we have this ministry, we have received mercy. And everybody in this room has received mercy. You know why? Because you're not going to hell if you're saved. And it's only because of the mercy of Almighty God. You deserve hell. I deserve hell. But praise God, he says not only renounce the sin of dishonesty, renounce the sin of walking in craftiness. That means unscrupulous, unprincipled, handling the word of God deceitfully. He said, but remember the heavenly things, the wonderful things, the things I've done for you. Remember not only that, but look at verse number 13 where he says this, we having the same spirit of faith. According to his written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believed and therefore speak. And I go back up and says, For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. He said, You have the gospel. You've been saved. My faith in Christ. Remember you got saved? Do you remember you got saved? Think about it. I'm saved. Save, save, save. My sins are all forgiven. Christ is mine. I'm on my way to heaven. You know what we don't do? We don't remember our salvation very much, and we don't praise God for it very often. Sometimes we'll just stop and say, glory to God, I'm saved. Do you realize I'm saved? Do you realize I'm saved? I'm saved. I'm saved. I mean, come hell or high water, hell up every dog in the country. I'm saved. I can't, you can't take it from me. Nobody can take it from me. When I got saved, I was in the hand of Jesus, and he's in the hand of God. And if the devil could get to the hand of God and get to the hand of Jesus, he'd be saved too. And so he can't get to me if he wanted to. I'm saved. As the old boy said, I'm saved. You know what we need to remember to keep us from fainting? We're saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. Not about you, but I'm going to heaven. I hope you go with me. I'd love to take you along. The ride sure is good, but when we get there, it's going to be great. I've done quite a few funerals, and uh, I'll say this often since I heard a pastor in New, Al- in New Albany say it. He's talking about a guy, and I've used it here as an illustration, but I just want to use it again because I want to, all right? You just have to listen. You'll have to hear it twice. This guy is up there, and he said, this former pastor, and he said, he called his name, and he said, you know, everybody says, well, he's looking down from heaven watching us. He said, he's not watching us. Would you look down and watch us when you could be with Jesus at the foot of Jesus? Could you, would you watch us when you could walk to see heaven and see all, see Paul and Silas? And you could see all those David and see all of them that's gone before and see loved ones that's passed away, mamas and daddies and grandparents and, and uncles and aunts that's in heaven. Would you really, and friends, best friends that's up there in heaven, you really looking down at us while we're at your funeral? He could care less about his funeral, man. He's so excited about heaven he can't even stand himself. Woo! I'm in heaven. Woo! You need to remember the mercy of Almighty God. You're not going to hell. I said you're not going to hell. I said you're not going to hell. If that doesn't crank your motor, then you may need to get a new battery. It's exciting. Somebody said, well, well, I'm saved. Well, maybe you just got saved. I got saved. I'll never forget that night after I got saved. I went home that night and I told Mama, I said, I didn't even know the terminology. I was as dumb as a concrete block. You say you still are. I know it, but I'm having fun being dumb, all right? And I said, I, 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 I joined the church. 
She said, did you mean that? And I said, I meant it, Mama. I really did. She hugged and said, I'm proud of you and so forth. I went to my bedroom and knelt on my knees to get ready to go to bed. I'd never done that before like this. I knelt and I said, Jesus, I just want to thank you for saving me and the floodgates of heaven flooded my soul. And I got thinking, I'm going to heaven. I can go to bed tonight. I can sleep. I never have to worry again about the middle of the night, dying in the middle of the night and going to hell because that's what I would think about. I may die in the middle of the night and go to hell and all that. Jesus may come back. I mean, you see the, uh, you know, I was all messed up on my doctrine on the, but if I saw it, the sun was, I mean, the moon looked red or something. I thought, uh-oh, that may mean Jesus coming back. Oh no, I'm not even saved. I'm going to go to hell if he, and I'll, I'll never get saved. Man, I, I mean, I was a mess. But thank God when I got saved that night, I was so excited. I couldn't stand myself, let alone anybody else. It was good. You say, well, you're just more emotional than I am. No, I'm just more excited about being saved than you are because I think about being saved. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And I just think about, man, it's great to be saved. Man, I'm not going to hell. Never have to worry about going to hell. I'm not going to go to, I, I'm not going to mercy of God. And not only that, uh, my faith in Christ sent me, sent me going to heaven by grace. And by the way, that's the next one. Thank God for his grace. I want to remember the grace of Almighty God. Look at verse 15 with me. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. I tell you, I have grace. Grace, grace. Wonderful grace, marvelous grace. I love songs about grace. God's riches and righteousness at Christ's expense. Unmerited favor. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven because of grace. I'm not going to hell because of mercy. I'm missing hell, I'm going to heaven. For all things for your sake, that the abundant grace of God through the thanksgiving of many may renown the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. 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 When you feel like you can't go on anymore and you feel like you're going to faint and you feel like you can't take another step, remember this. There's grace. Grace. Grace, marvelous grace. It's all available. It's there. You got it. See, we don't even stop and think. We lost sight of the grace of God. We lose sight of the grace of God. We lose sight of the mercy of God. We lose sight of our salvation, our faith in Christ. No wonder we faint. I like this one. Look at verse number 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Resurrection. Not only my, the resurrection, but the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine on that day when they went and the tomb was, well, the stone was rolled away and they went in and he said, He not here. He gone. He's gone. He done hauled off and resurrected. And because he resurrected, Brother Keith, Guess what? I'm resurrecting. Because he resurrected, I'm resurrecting. The resurrection. We don't think about the resurrection. You feel like you can't go another step? Feel like you're at the end of your rope? You need to tie a knot and hang on? Listen, fella, let me tell you something. There's grace out there. There's mercy out there. There's salvation, faith in Christ out there. But I'll tell you something else too. There's a resurrection of Christ, and one day I'm going to be resurrected with him. Let me say lastly, look at verse number 16. 
For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Isn't it wonderful? For our light afflictions, afflictions, affections, afflictions, if I can say it right, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a former exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look at the things that are seen, but, uh, I'm sorry, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Eternal. Remember, the eternal, not the temporal. Get your eyes off of the temporal and go to the eternal. With eternity's values in view, Lord, with eternity's values in view, May I do each day's work for Jesus with eternity's values in view. I don't know about you, but we're talking about eternity here. We're talking about if you, it has been said, someone said, if you could take Stone Mountain in in Georgia down there, and Stone Mountain, how many of you know what I'm talking about, Stone Mountain down there? How many of you don't even care what, no, I mean, that's different, all right? Stone Mountain, big old rock about, if a bird could fly from California, all the way over from the coast of California, Pacific coast there, fly all the way over to Georgia and take in his little beak and peck off part of that, that, that stone mountain and fly all the way back and drop it in the Pacific Ocean and then fly all the way back and take his little beak and peck a little bit more of that off and then go all the way back over to the Pacific Ocean and drop it in the Pacific Ocean and then somehow fly all the way back to that stone mountain again and peck off a little bit more of that rock and take it in his beak and fly all the way up back over and drop it in the Pacific Ocean and then turn it and fly all the way back to, the, to that stone mountain and that rock and peck off a little bit more and then go all the way back and drop it in position, Pacific Ocean. By the time he got it down to where there was nothing left of the rock, eternity would just be beginning. Do you understand how long eternity is? It's not 30 minutes. Our problem is we look at everything based on a 60 or 70 or 80 year time frame. Anybody in here older than 80 that'll admit it? God bless you. You've lived that long with a son like that. That is your son, right? God bless you. Lord, help that woman. Anyway, no. You're over 80. Well, I want to ask you how much over. Look. She looks at life like I, I look at it from my age. You look at it from 80. And boy, lots happened in 80 years. Wow, lots happened. We're talking about 80 years. It's not even a drop in the bucket. It's not even a drop in the ocean. It's not even a drop in all the oceans put together. It's not even a drop in all the oceans and all the seas and all the lakes and all the rivers put together to what eternity is going to be. You understand eternity is a long time. And when I bowed my head and said yes to Jesus Christ as an 18-year-old young man and said, Jesus, save me and give me eternal life. And I got saved. I got saved that day. Do you know that from that day forward, I've been ready. I've been on my way to heaven, and there's nothing in the world going to stop it. And not only that, once I get there, it's going to last for all eternity. Years after years, years after years, decades after decades, centuries after centuries, and it'll just keep going and going and going and millenniums after millenniums and just going and going and going. And I'm going to be enjoying heaven and I'll never have to worry about hell. I'll never have to worry about touching my foot in hell one moment. I never have to worry about touching my finger in heaven one moment. And now I'm going there. And what am I doing? Fainting and quitting on God. I'll tell you why. Because I'm not renouncing the sin. I'll tell you why. It's not just because I'm not renouncing. I'm not remembering how great I really have it. 
how good it really is. I forgot about, I haven't remembered the mercy of God. I haven't remembered the faith in Christ. I haven't remembered the, grace, the, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the faith in God in Christ. I haven't remembered the resurrection of Christ in myself. And I, for, I haven't remembered that eternity is eternal and not temporal that I need to be thinking about. Late in April of 2017, and you've heard me tell it, but I'll say it again. I was walking in a grocery store at J.C.'s grocery store close to my house. J.C.'s is owned by Kroger's. And I'm walking up through there. I got a little cart, and I'm going to pick up a couple items and go home. I'm pushing the cart, and I thought, oh, whoa. Ooh. I think I'm going to pass out. What is wrong? I grabbed, I grabbed the cart, and I kind of leaned forward. And about that time, kaboom! Inside of me. And I went, whoa! What, what was that? And then I thought, that hurt. And it was a little piece of equipment right here in my chest called a defibrillator pacemaker. And the defibrillator, I was, my, the ventricle part of my heart was fluttering. And therefore, it put me in ventricle tachycardia or, or ventricle fibrillation. It didn't matter which one, you die either way. And, that's, and the doctor said this, the, the cardiologist, had that defibrillator not gone, kaboom! You would have fallen on the floor and you'd be in your next life. I'm alive because I had a defibrillator. But you know what happened first? I was fainting. Whoa, whoa. And I was just about gone with my fainting. And all at once, kaboom! And I'm back. And, I'm, and the blood's flowing in my head now. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. What was that? I called Sheila and she said, you got to get to the ER. And I said, well, I'm okay now, I think. She said, you got to get to the ER. Stay there and we'll have somebody come pick you up. She was on the other side of town and couldn't get to me quick enough. October the 6th of the same year, after a lot of other things happened, I'm standing there. I'm outside. I'm getting ready to, to stain my deck. And there's a few nails that are loose and I'm tightening them up, hammering them down. And I turned, and when I turned, I went, whoa, whoa, no, 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 here it goes again. And I grabbed the door and hit my knees, and it went, kaboom! And I went, yo! And Sheila comes around and says, are you okay? And I said, oh, the defibrillator shot me again. The defibrillator shocked me back. I was sitting, a week ago yesterday, I was sitting in a staff meeting. Sitting there, sitting there, and all at once I went, oh, no, here it comes again. No, not in here in front of everybody. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm in trouble. Oh, no. And it went, oh, and it went away. I went home, and I got, a, I got it with me, too, but I got a thing that sits beside the bed, and I, I stood, I got in front of it and pushed the buttons for manual. It read my defibrillator pacemaker, sent it into the doctors, and then a nurse practitioner called me back and said, hey, uh, you went into ventricle, you went into ventricle uh, tachycardia, and your heart was out of rhythm. And he, she, she said, for 20 beats, but then it went back in right before it shocked you. I went, praise God. You know what? Some of us, listen closely, some of us have a problem in our heart, and it's gotten out of rhythm. Hello? Spiritually. And what we need tonight is, kaboom! Before we faint. Before we're gone. Because if you faint, if I'd have fainted in that grocery store, Brother Dave, it would have all been over. 
Now, I'd have been happy. Family might not have been, but I would have been. If I'd have fainted at that back door as I grabbed for the screen door, it'd have been all over if I didn't get a kaboom! There's a bunch of wattage in there. A bunch. And when it hits you, it hits you. You've seen them on TV where they take the two things and the guy's laying there and they go, shoom, and his whole body goes, whoa, whoa, like that. You know what I'm talking about? I've got that built in right here. I don't have to have that. Ba-boom. It goes ba-boom right there. And you know what? The only thing that saved me is when my heart was shocked back into rhythm. And some of us were fainting. And if we don't let the Word of God tonight and the Spirit of God shock us back, we're going to be in trouble. You know what we need to do? We need to let. We need to let. And we need our hearts shocked back to the greatness of God. We need our hearts shocked back to the goodness of God. We need our hearts shocked back to the grace of God. We need our hearts shocked back to the mercy of God. We need our hearts shocked back to the faith in Christ. We need our hearts shocked back to the resurrection. Not only of Christ's act of resurrection of Christ, but of us also. We need to have our hearts shocked back to the importance of eternity. With eternity's values in view. And not let the sin, hidden sin, be unrenounced. But renounce that sin and say, God, shock me back. Shock me back. Shock me back. Because I don't want to quit on God. I don't want to faint in the ministry you've given me to do. And Paul said, seeing we have this, therefore, 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 seeing we have this ministry as we ever see mercy, we faint not. And if we're not careful, we're going to let the devil cause us to faint. For which cause we faint not. For though out man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Boom! That's what we need in our heart tonight, spiritually. I got it physically, but we need it spiritually. Will you let God shock your heart back, or are you just going to sit there and keep doing what you've been doing? Quit on God, let the, not renounce the sins, not do it. Say, I'm, I'm tired, I can't do it anymore. Hey, get up and get with it. Let's get up and get with it. It's time to say, COVID is COVID. I got to live with it, but it's time for me to get back in the work, get busy for God, and not faint in the ministry God gave me to do. Kaboom! Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.